What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab an ice-cold dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the dew. Hear that? Is that America cheering? Or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the The green peak peak. with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky on the green peak. And joining us today, we've got Fabian Monaco, who is the uh, president and CEO of uh, Gage Cannabis Company. Uh, Gage is a uh, organization that is uh, distributed across Michigan, but with Fabian's background, I expect that uh, horizons are going to broaden. Welcome aboard, Fabian. Hi, how are you doing? And thank you very much for having me on. So Fabian, you've been involved, you know, on both sides of the cannabis industry. You uh, got your start uh, a number of years ago, um, obviously as a lawyer working with Dentons, but then uh, Scotiabank and GMP and GMP, which is today part of Stifle, um, was one of the most active firms in the uh, space of taking cannabis companies public. And then I guess uh, within the last year, you've moved over to the other side and are now uh, working and running one of the uh, corporations uh, in Michigan. Tell me about that uh, journey. Yeah, so I mean, I was I was lucky enough to join GMP uh, many, many years ago when the industry was just getting started from a capital market standpoint. Uh, we were working with Canopy Growth. I just had joined the team um, that had brought Tweed, which used to be um, mm-hmm. Canopy Growth Public. And so with that, got to work on a lot of the firsts of the industry, first kind of you know acquisition when uh, when Canopy Growth bought uh, Bedrocan, first you know hundred million dollar financing that Tweed had done, the you know first IPO in the space, and so uh, because of that, I was just you know very very heavily involved in the industry from that standpoint, and really continued on for for many many years. A couple of years ago, um, just met some of the best operators that I had encountered in the space. I probably toured, I don't know, close to 100 different assets across North America in the industry uh, during my time on the capital markets. And so started uh, started a cannabis-based company solely focused on the Michigan market uh, with these two main operators. And uh, again, some of the best operators I encountered, and uh, it's been uh, it's been great. It's been great, to say the least. Yeah. So, you know, when you're, when you're analyzing the businesses, you get one set of perspective. When you're actually running it, you come into completely different challenges. What are some of the challenges you didn't expect as you moved over? I think you know it. It, it wasn't so much challenges. It was just really broadening my um, my uh, my thought process and approach to the industry. Uh, right. You know, when you're sitting in a 
let's call it an advisory role or support services role. Uh, you know, there, there, there are certain things you think, you know, drive the industry. And it's a little bit different when you're actually in the thick of it on a daily basis. And so, you know, just got to learn so much, even though, again, even though I'd frankly been on, you know, the capital market side of things of the industry for, you know, six, seven years, it was, uh, it was really a big eye opener kind of moving over to, you know, more, more of the operations. And uh, with all you know, due respect to the broader team, you know, the, the president in the US, the CFO, the, uh, the two founders, they're, they're the, you know, they're the bread and butter of the company. They're the really the beating heart of the company that are managing things from an operational standpoint. And I, you know, continue to uh, continue to work on the uh, capital market side of the business while also, you know, staying heavily involved in any high level strategic, you know, decisions that we make. But again, you know, just, just being more involved on in the operation side was, was an eye opener and really, really, really got to, uh, got to frankly be surprised by a lot of, you know, what's driving this industry today. Yeah, it is. It is interesting when you get into the details. And also, you know, Michigan is, you know, one of the 50 odd, you know, jurisdictions, some are legal, some are not in the States, but then it's a microcosm compared to the rest of the world. Um, you came out of Canada. What was the, what were surprises you had after dealing with so many of the issues that are, have been breaking down in Canada that when you started dealing with Michigan? I think just the, in Michigan and even just the U.S. generally, it's 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 a better regulatory framework on a state by state basis, which sounds surprising to say, because we're thinking, you know, in Canada, uh, we have full legalization. So so why don't we have, you know, a better regulatory system than the U.S.? But if you take a look at what a variety of states have been able to do, really create opening and welcoming, you know, regulations and rules to really help, you know, drive the industry forward. It, it drastically um, was different than what we saw in Canada. In, in Canada, you know, the, the, the genetics and, and, and the ability to bring new flavors and, you know, uh, to the system was so constrained for so long. Everyone was just growing the same type of product, the same flower. Yep. If you take a look at, you know, just, just what was available uh, amongst all the large LPs, it's no wonder, you know, a lot of these big, huge, large greenhouse deals had failed because, again, nobody wants to continue to have that same flavor of product when they consume their flour. The industry is driven on variety, on something new, you know, pheno hunting, etc. And in the U.S., it just helps you do that and the regulations support something like that. And so that was a big, big, broad difference. And then also just the, the rollout of retail was just a disaster in Canada as a whole. It's been horrible how the government's managed that in Canada, considering how far ahead Correct. Canada started from the rest of the world. You know, the Canadian government set up the industry to be world leaders and then cut it off at the knees. I can't disagree. You know, we really had a head start uh, as Canadians to really help drive this industry forward uh, on a global basis, you know, be a prime example of how a legalized um, you know, country can really thrive and, 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 you know, help support this industry for the better. And so it's truly a shame um, that there were so many slip-ups in Canada. I think, you know, generally we're starting to see, um, you know, much, much more positive turn in Canada. Uh, we're looking at the monthly sales that continue to drive up forward or sorry, higher. Um, but again, you know, just that was the main thing in the U S the U S was just very, very, you know, uh, a little bit ahead of Canada in their thought process when it came to you know genetics and things along those lines, and also just the retail framework. Uh, the retail framework in the majority of the states is just so much better than what we have here in Canada. 
It is much simpler, but you know, how, how do you find in Michigan the uh, differentiation between medical and recreational? And do people, you know, that's one of the things where the retail industry in Canada confuses people. Yeah, so I mean, for uh, for Michigan, it's 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 a little interesting. You have this bifurcation between medical and, and adult use product. Meaning, in uh, when you go to the store uh, or provisioning center, as they call them, you have essentially the opportunity to buy medical only product or adult use only product. Uh, you can't just go in there and say, oh, that you know that medical product uh, packaging looks great. I want to try that. Um, if you actually don't have a medical card, even though the industry is uh, the industry is wreck. And so that's a, that's a key thing that people don't, uh, you know, are not aware of. The main, uh, the main thing about Michigan too, it just had this really, really strong underlying medical patient base for so many years. Yes. Uh, their caregiver program came in place 2008. So you just have a really refined consumer there. And, you know, the medical patient number has continued to remain strong at about 250,000 patients, despite us now approaching, you know, two years of, of full adult use, which will come up on December 1st, 2021. So um, you know, all in all, besides that small, you know, differentiation, um, you know, in terms of production and at the retail storefront, uh, where, you know, you have medical only product and kind of adult use product. Um, I would say generally, you know, the, the, the Michigan regulatory agency has done a phenomenal job with their rules, a phenomenal job at rolling out the program. And again, because of that, and also that refined consumer base, you've seen Michigan explode in terms of number. They're now mm-hmm. numbers, sorry, they're now, you know, top three market. Uh, in the U.S. this year in 2021, and considering it's not one of the top three states in population, that's that's really amazing. And you know, I know Gage has done a, a really solid job, and I think your last quarter had your had your best ever results, if I remember correctly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, best ever results uh, in Q1, and obviously we guided to even better results uh, for for the quarter that just passed in Q2. So a lot of growth at our company, and you know, a lot of acceleration too, and just in terms of how many assets we're bringing online these days. Yeah, well, let's talk a bit more about that after the break. We do have to take a a quick break. And also, uh, you know, you've announced a really interesting partnership recently, which I can imagine is only going to accelerate things for you as well. We'll be back in a minute on The Green Peak with Fabian Monaco from Gage. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Fabian Monaco from Gage. And Fabian, you know, uh, just before the break, we're talking about um, Gage's growth and you've had your, you know, you've had some record results the last two quarters and things are trending really well. You've got some interesting announcements that have been coming out, uh, including, I guess, the, you know, I'm not sure on the corporate structure, but you've got Gage Growth and Gage Cannabis and Gage Growth just did an announcement with Wiz Khalifa for Khalifa Kush. how are all these combining and how, what's the strategy look like over the next 12 months? 
Yeah, so I mean, in terms of in terms of the partnership with Wiz, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal, you know, entertainer and mm-hmm. uh, someone that has been very, very, you know, influential in the industry today in the cannabis industry. Uh, for us, you know, we focus on bringing best in class brands that are performing exceptionally well in other markets across the U.S. and you know, bringing that brand to Michigan on an exclusive race basis. We did that with a variety of brands before Wiz, and we'll continue to do so. Uh, one of them was the the cookies brand, and so again, you know, cookies being the the Red Bull, the Nike of the space, the Coca Cola of the space. Um, you know, we didn't stop there. We're on the hunt for uh, pretty much you know some of the best brands out there, and really wanting to bring them to Michigan on that exclusive kind of basis. And so for us, you know, we did a deal with the, the Slang guys and also uh, Blue River, and you'll see even more deals coming out of the company, similar to you know what we just announced with Wiz. Uh, we really want to be the one-stop, you know, shop when it comes to our uh, our dispensaries in Michigan. Uh, really want you to come into our dispensary and just have a huge, huge variety of product to choose from. Uh, I think that's what helps drive the industry. It helps drive our big basket size that we have. Really keeping up with that variety. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, you've Gage has expanded aggressively across Michigan. Um, do you plan on looking to other states or is there a lot more growth for you in, uh, in Michigan itself? Well, most definitely. I, I would say that you'd probably see Gage um, either, you know, announce or complete or maybe already be in another state by, uh, by the end of this year. Uh, we, are, we are actively looking at a variety of states to enter into, um, you know, Phenomenal, phenomenal opportunities across the U.S., keep in mind. Even some of the smaller markets present just phenomenal growth opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so we continue to you know, visit a variety of states. Management's been to probably 10 plus states this year, really educating ourselves as much as we can. We really want that first you know, decision outside of Michigan to be the right one. Uh, we continue to do extremely well in Michigan and gain market share and really feel confident about where we'll be in the next you know, 6, 12, 18 months in Michigan giving us that comfort now to, you know, jump into another state. And so, as I mentioned, you'll see us, you'll see us probably get to, uh, get to somewhere new in the next, in the next few months here. And, you know, with the goal, at least internal goal for us is to at least announce, you know, something either at the end of this year slash beginning of next year. Um, and again, just, just a lot of opportunity out there in the U S right now, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to growth. There is a lot of opportunity around it. And, you know, the, the markets haven't been, you know, are never great in the summer uh, in our in this space. How and this year's no exception. Uh, not as bad as 2019, which was awful, but you know, still, I don't think anybody's looking at it in terms of uh, getting a banner summer out of it. Wh- when do you see the uh, that ending and turning around? Because obviously, that's going to be part of your, uh, you know, part of your calculations on a on an ongoing basis. And that's not a gauge day, thing. That is the that's the industry, right? That's everybody's slow in the summer in the space. No doubt, no doubt. We've seen it many, many years now, um, pretty much on an annual basis. That those are never kind to uh, to cannabis companies. I think at the end of the day, though, it's 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 important to just simply focus on the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're we're very well capitalized um, in terms of our cash position. Didn't really take on any, uh, you know. Uh, hard debt obligations that, you know, we'd have trouble paying back. So, you know, overall our debt is, is, is very, very small relative to our other, our, you know, our other competitors, our cultivation assets are unencumbered. A lot of our retail assets are unencumbered. 
giving us the opportunity to, you know, to get some non-diluted capital on the book should we need it in the in the coming months. So I think overall for us, we're in a very, very good position. Um, you know, whether the, you know, we, we obviously always want the stock to perform really, really well uh, for our investors. Um, of course, but, it makes know, life like anything, easier, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, sometimes you can't really control how the no. market is responding or even some of the macro um, you know, uh, scenarios that are playing out in the background, not just in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. So for us, you know, just stay keenly focused on our, on our business. Um, and that's where we're focused on, not so much on our stock price. We know we're accelerating uh, at, at a crazy pace right now in Michigan. We know the business is performing exceptionally well, and that's our prime focus. If we can do that and continue to do that, we know that the stock price is going to take care of itself when, you know, we have a little bit more positiveness back into the industry. Right. No, no, absolutely. So, you know, going back to the, the operating business, you've got your locations. One of the things about Michigan is you're, you're verticalized, right? So you've got your own production for your, um, for your retail operations. How many, how many facilities do you have producing and how many square feet total? Yeah. So we have three cultivation assets that we operate. Yeah. Uh, we have now six contract manufacturing assets that are operated by our partners, cultivation partners. So that's nine yeah. across yeah. The, the state of Michigan. Uh, we plan on having 13 in operation by the end of this year. So pretty big jump, including mm-hmm. the build out of our, uh, of our phase two at our monitor township location being completed by the end of the year as well. So we'll be, uh, we'll be one of the biggest cultivators in the state of Michigan by the end of this year. How many square feet do you have today in your own and in your contracts and what do you hope to be at then? It, it's interesting because it obviously shows to the growth in the industry and the market. Yeah, no, for sure. I would say we're about at 125,000 square feet in total and then we'll be at 250 plus by the end of this year. Wow, that's, that's a huge jump. Yeah, most definitely. That's, uh, that's tremendous. And you know, with that uh, 250,000 square feet, you can be producing in quite a bit. I know uh, I built a facility that's about 525,000 square feet and the amounts you can produce are incredible. Just shows how much can be absorbed into the one market. Yeah, no, we'll be, uh, by the time, you know, our, our, our phase two, you know, asset is completed, um, we'll be producing, I'd say on average in the 2022 year, we'll be about 7,000 pounds a month. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that makes sense. Um, and, you know, and no, that's excellent. And so from a being so verticalized, but using contract manufacturers, I guess, you know, part of your uh, requirements from a compliance perspective is, uh, you know, the level of transparency that each of the contract manufacturers have to have is tremendous, which also, of course, translates right through the entire operation. Um, is there a lot of variability for you within the state with regards to uh you know, counties or uh, retail markets in terms of their requirements? I know in some states, they even have, you know, different counties and different towns have different label listing requirements. Yeah, so, you know, for, for us, actually, we spent a lot of time trying to, uh, trying to find uh, good contract partners. And so, first off, all of them grow indoor. Um, number two, uh, we vetted a lot of them uh, quite, uh, quite hard uh, for the better part of a good solid six months before we actually started with one of the, the first contract grower earlier on this year. Um, in terms of, you know, the various cities, 
uh, they do have various rules when it comes to their dispensary location, but not much differentiation when it comes to cultivation. Right. We're also blessed in Michigan with you know, operators that have been in the business now for over a decade. And so very, very good quality products coming out of Michigan makes our job a little bit easier when we're picking partners because there's so many uh, that are, you know, produce such high quality product. So, um, you know, I think generally you have a little bit of a learning curve when it comes to, you know, our own, our own genetics and how they grow and, uh, you know, dealing with those. But once those contract growers have kind of flushed out, you know, one or two cycles of their grow, um, you know, they end up producing some, some pretty great stuff. And we're starting to see that now um, from some of the initial ones. So uh, I think, you know, overall, it's just a really capital A model to the cultivation side of things as we sit back and observe how much the market is growing in Michigan, how much cultivation is coming online, et cetera, so that we can make proper determinations of where we should put our capital. You know, where should a capital go that's going to really drive shareholder value versus, you know, doing what some of the Canadian companies did, which is like, let's go get a million square feet of our own and spend yep. you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on it. And then, you know, not have anybody to buy the product. We're going about it as a little bit more of a conservative approach, a little bit more thought into how we're expanding the business. And again, uh, trying to do a bit of both, a little bit of our own cultivation, but trying to see how this contract manufacturing can work out as well, um, especially considering you know, we're one of the first to be able to even do that in this industry. You don't see a lot of you know, licensed producers going to a company and, and wanting to grow for that brand because they appreciate that brand so much. No, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's always hard being first. People, people think, oh, first mover. It's awesome, but the reality is, you know, once you start being first in an area, you're the first one who has to make the mistakes because nobody else has done it before, so you don't have the learnings. Exactly. So that's a interesting, always a, an interesting position to be in. Um, Fabian, we do have to take one more break, but I'd love when we come back to, to talk about some of the financing structures and also some of the uh, some of the great plans that uh, from a retail perspective that uh, Gage has lined up for the next little while. We'll be back Sounds in great. a minute. We'll be back in a minute. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak with Fabian Monaco from Gage. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 gardens garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on uh, the Green Peak with Fabian Monaco from Gage. And Fabian, you know, one thing I just want to circle back to is... Um, with your history in, uh, you know, in GMP and XIB and Scotia, and now on this side, you've worked with companies putting in place all sorts of different financing structures. 
and the you know the industry is going through another uh, is about to go through another phase of development. But also there's the psilocybin industry, which is developing um, and getting a lot of attention from the capital markets. Of all the vehicles you saw in the structure you saw, which ones actually made the most sense in hindsight for the companies? Because people use convertible debt, people used you know straight equity deals, people used all sorts of different structures. Having been on both sides, what do you take and say you know with hindsight was the best, or was it just you know what this is the time that and this is how people want to invest and that's what you take. Yeah, no, I would say I would say in hindsight, obviously equity was the uh, was the way to go um, for the majority of these companies. Unfortunately, um, some diluted their shareholders a little too aggressively, or, or or you know a little more than you know people had hoped. But um, I think you know we saw some and a variety of companies get into get into issues with the convertible debt features and and also you know just just general debt. Um, a not being able to meet those obligations on the debt side of things and on the convertible side of things as well, uh, just you know with a little bit of financial engineering, uh, the ability of people to um, essentially control one stock uh, was made available to them. And yep. so I think just the industry also just due to the fact, especially the companies in the US not really having that same trading volume just made them a little bit more uh, manipulative in terms of you know what people could do to the share prices when they had control over the convertible debt. And so I think overall in hindsight, and again, nothing's perfect and you don't always have all the options as a company, but you know, right now it seems that those that you know, focused on, on, on equity, similar to us, didn't really take on any obligations, debt obligations or convertible ventures, things along those lines, um, have really been able to thrive. And so generally, I think you, know, you have to get to yourself to a certain point where you truly know you can support you know, debt and that's how we look at the business. You know, maybe it's a little bit more of a conservative approach, but you know, for us, waiting for our company to reach an inflection point, just in terms of size, how much it does on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly basis, before we felt that comfort, you know, to take on a big obligation. Um, others didn't really feel like that, and maybe were a little bit too quick on the trigger, and unfortunately suffered for it. We've obviously seen a variety of companies, you know, either delist or frankly not really be around anymore. Yeah, there's a lot which have vanished along the way, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, I've, I went through both sides and, uh, you know, convertible debt sometimes is an evil necessity and, you know, you hope it works out. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But equity, I think everybody knows what they're getting into at that moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So for the next, uh, you know, jumping back into some of Gage's strategy and everything else, you know, we talked briefly on the... Uh, was Khalifa announcement. Obviously that's, you know, adds a lot of uh, star power behind a brand is getting, you know, somebody as high profile as that to effectively endorse your company's strategy and where you're going and what you're doing. Is that a part of the path you're looking at uh, doing more deals in, more, uh, more high profile celebrities to um, become associated with your organization? And, you know, how do you see it affecting the bottom line? Yeah, for us, it's not so much on the, on the celebrities. Mm -hmm. um, we're really looking at those celebrities that have history in the space. Mm -hmm. I think you're yep. seeing a whole variety of celebrity deals happen or yep. celebrity partnerships happen with, you know, potentially celebrities that are not as known um, for their, let's call it, relationship with cannabis. 
for us, if we're going to do a transaction, it's going to be with someone that actually, you know, does have some clout in the industry. And, you know, there, there are still a variety of those individuals that, um, you know, have not brought their brand to Michigan that we, um, we actively think about in terms of potentially partnering with them. And I think you'll see a couple more deals from us, whether they be through, you know, top notch brands outside of the state of Michigan or, you know, celebrities that have a celebrity brand uh, in the space as well that are, that's, you know, we also like to look at performance too, right? So those celebrity brands that are performing exceptionally well in another market or a couple markets gives us that, you know, that, that, that confidence that, okay, if we bring that brand now to Michigan with our operational expertise and the way we do things and the way we grow and the quality that we grow, we also know that this brand will perform equally as well. And so those are the things we're looking for. We're not looking for, you know, a capital market story or excitement or anything along those lines. We're looking for right. partnerships that, you know, as you mentioned, are really going to drive top line and more importantly, bottom line as well. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, sometimes you never know which of those uh, endorsements and brand names are really going to help the company take off. Um, I always look back at uh, Priceline with William Shatner and, you know, when that, when he first uh, started pitching for them, it wasn't obvious that, wow, what a difference that's going to make, but boy, did it ever make a difference in that organization, how ubiquitous their name became in the space so quickly. Um, yeah. I'm sure you look at the spit, you know, the cannabis space and sometimes, you know, some deals are obvious and some you look at and think who would be a good pitch man, who would be a good associate who, you know, which, which lady in the, out there who, you know, is not necessarily the one we think of, but, really would be an association would be amazing and it's hard right you, you just don't know it's something quirky that'll take off totally no totally sometimes there's a little bit of unknown there but you know all you can do is do as much homework as you can on the uh, on the partner and make sure that the company's making the right decision and partnering with them yeah yeah so you know um i mean michigan's been one of the states that i've watched for a long time because it's you know for a variety of reasons but it's been one of the most interesting participants um, across the U.S. and, you know, Gage is a firm that I've kept an eye on for a while and I've been really impressed with how well uh, everything's been done. And, you know, I saw you when you joined the company. I thought, oh, that was a really smart move from a, from a capital markets perspective with the acumen you bring on that side. Um, really glad you've been able to join us today and share some of your insights. Um, and, you know, we are out of time, unfortunately, but I'd love to have you back on in a few months, especially as you... Uh, maybe exit the year and you've brought on board the other 125,000 square feet. And as you, you know, referenced, you're looking at all sorts of things. So I'm sure you're going to have some interesting announcements. Love to chat about those as they, they come forward. Um, but thank you for joining us today. And I'd like to thank our listeners for joining as well. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks, Fabian. Thanks, Richard. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, everyone. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? 
sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.